Welcome back to Right Now. I'm Stephen Kent. And did you know that Mexican drug cartels have all but taken over a town in Southern California just beyond Los Angeles? I don't know why I'm surprised that in Governor Gavin Newsom's anarcho-golden state, the decriminalization of marijuana has been a disaster, but Prop 64, which was approved in 2016 by California voters and brought in under Jerry Brown, has succeeded in making it more profitable to be in the business of crime than to legally grow and sell marijuana in California. Our guest today, Jorge Ventura, has documented this stunning failure in his new film, Cartel USA. Take a look. These marijuana grows are either connected to Mexican cartels or high-level criminal organizations that also have used human trafficking as they've used workers to work these girls. On this girl, there are five Chinese nationals that were working this girl that are undocumented, don't speak any English, and are most likely were human trafficked here into the United States to work on these illegal grow ups. Their whole purpose to come here was just to tend for the grow, and then it helps cover their costs for whoever brought them over. The Mexican cartel-related operations that have exploded in the Antelope Valley. It doesn't stop. We're 300 miles away from the border, and we have one of the largest illegal drug operations happening in the backyard in the high deserts of Los Angeles. It's accelerating to the degree that we we're just. This looks like a video game. This isn't a video game. This is real. Those are assault weapons. I mean, they are way ahead of us. We can't seem to get one step ahead of them. This is the cartels. We are very, very close to driving down the freeway and seeing bodies hanging from the overpasses. That is what's coming. Very excited now to welcome to the table. We've got Jacob Rich, healthcare policy and drug policy analyst with Reason Foundation, and the director of that film you just previewed, Jorge Ventura, a reporter with the Daily Caller. Jorge, thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm glad you're here in, in one piece. What you were doing down there in Southern California was downright dangerous and, and, and honestly kind of scary. I mean, how the hell did you initially hear? about this story and drug cartels moving on to American soil in SoCal and growing marijuana on people's land or squatting in some cases, intimidating neighbors. Where do you get the scoop? So what happened, Stephen, is I've been covering the border for the past several months. Obviously, it became the top issue in our country. As I was covering the border, I actually got to meet Republican Congressman Mike Garcia, who represents District 25 back in California, mm -hmm. which is like North LA County, more desert rural communities. And when I met Congressman Mike Garcia, I was I was curious. I said, Congressman, you're the only representative from California in South Texas. You know, how come you're here? And he just said, Jorge, what's happening here at the border is, is impacting us back in the Antelope Valley, uh, palmed with this Mexican drug cartel, illegal marijuana crisis, um, kind of labor trafficking movement. And when he kind of explained to me, gave me more details, I, I couldn't believe it. I, when I got on the ground, um, it was just 
shocking to, to, to really see it um, in person. So the congressman invited me to two town hall meetings to attend, and that's where I actually got to hear from the residents. Uh, the residents have been getting shot at by these cartels. Uh, the human trafficking aspect where these cartels smuggle uh, these migrants from the southern border and force them to work. This and is your old community, the, right? Like this is, yep. home, this is hometown for you. Yep, that's where I grew up my entire life. I went to high school in this area. My parents still live there to, to this day, and uh, I couldn't believe the magnitude of the problem, but also how underreported this problem is as well. So we, we were hoping with this film, uh, Cartelville USA, we could highlight it and hopefully bring a national spotlight to this issue. Jacob, I didn't think things would get this bad with, with drug decriminalization. You don't hear about this, obviously, in Colorado or something like that. They went full legalization, right? Yeah, they did. Not a border state. This kind of thing's not going to happen. California has the unfortunate nature of, of being down there right by the border, and so the cartels are moving right in because there's no penalty. Is this what you anticipated from drug decriminalization in your home state? No, not at all. You know, I mean, when, when Prop 64 passed in 2016, I actually thought it was, a, it was a very good thing. I don't think, I think we could all agree that people should be thrown in jail for, you know, smoking plant, smoking weed or even glowing or even growing a couple of plants. Um, but it's kind of grown to this huge uh, crisis in the state of California. I actually started up in North California, like the Humboldt County. Yeah. And it's just recently hit um, the Antelope Valley and kind of that SoCal area. So when I was speaking to LA County sheriffs, one thing they told me, they said in 2020, we only identified 150 illegal girls. You know, fast forward to this year, they're at over 500. The county next door, which is San Bernardino County, in 2019, they only identified about 200 illegal girls. They're now at over 1,100. I just want to remind the audience, this is not a, you know, Cheech and Chong, just two hippie dudes, you know, smoking pot in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> There's a there's a huge criminal element to this problem, so that's why we're. Those, those are your people, Jacob. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Cheech and Chong illegal grows in the middle of the woods, you know. Yes, um, one thing that I think is very interesting. You know, you mentioned that California is a border state, and that mu much of this must have to do with that because they're in such close proximities to these cartels. But I think that's actually a minimal factor. I the ability to travel across the United States is not that hard. And the factors about California that make it attractive to the cartels are actually the high taxes and the major regulations that prevent legal operations of marijuana since Prop 16 passed to actually operate. And when you have such high barriers and you increase the price, cartels are able to undercut it. When we have drug prohibition, that's like the biggest increase of price, right? You make something illegal, you're able to attempt to compel people not to use a substance. But if you legalize and don't provide access to a substance, mm -hmm. the black market is able to move mm -hmm. in. There's places where they can't even – there are communities where you're not even allowed to have marijuana companies. So cartels are able to target these, these areas and actually move in. And we don't see such activity in Nevada and Massachusetts and other, or, you know, other states. So I think there are regulatory issues with California that actually make it very attractive for the cartels in particular. No, and, and, and you know, that's, that's very true. Um, according to the numbers, what California was hoping was after Prop 64 passed, they wanted around 6,000 marijuana licenses uh, to be compliant. So obviously, they wanted to see that tax revenue. They're only at 1,000. 80% uh, of the weed coming out of California right now is black market. So whether yeah. you're looking at it from tax revenue we're losing, uh, the homicide rate in our deserts have gone up. Uh, I think a huge issue that we were trying to highlight in the documentary was also the labor trafficking aspect where these yeah. migrants are being held against their will. I was calling it basically slavery on, on American soil. But the, the another huge issue, whether you're on the left or right or not, not too political and you're a Californian, is the, the water theft. That's the 
the alarming rate. So every day that these illegal girls are operating in the Southern California area, between 3 million to 9.5 million water gallons are being wasted. Uh, some of the numbers that we looked at back to 2013 suggest that since 2013, over 12 billion of 12 billion water gallons have been stolen from the state of California connected to these illegal girl operations. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's back up a little bit away from uh, the subject of the sort of the legal market and and versus you know operating illegal girl because I want to come back around to that. So Let's kind of talk about how cartels are using private land and localities' water to basically run their operations and completely do it scot-free. You had a guy in the documentary who he was notified by his neighbor that there was someone who had built a structure on his land with walls, a boundary around it, like a rooftop and all that kind of stuff, and he had no idea that there was a marijuana grow on his land. They have become so brazen where they're just moving right up into to abandoned buildings to do this stuff or just growing on people's private property. Exactly. So out there in the desert, I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. There's literally no law enforcement. So so two ways that they're doing this is by squatting where they'll just take a piece of land, start the illegal grow, or they'll just buy a property and start the illegal grow. The, the, the huge problem is that they siphon the water just from the regular American citizens that live there. So they'll do this by uh, uh, drilling illegal wells, uh, tapping into our California aqueduct, and the biggest thing is that, is that they siphon it from the fire hydrants out there. So out there in the desert, for folks who don't know, is we have these fire hydrants with resident keys. So the residents are able to you know, get the water that they need, uh, but what these cartels are doing is they're siphoning it, that, the water from the fire hydrants, and then that cost is falling on the residents. It, the situation got so bad that in the Antelope Valley, we had 176 uh, fire hydrants. Now we're down to 76. The county actually had to cut, cut out 100 because of the problem got so bad. When, and this, private citizens in the area, in some ways, they're being victimized here, like no doubt, but there's also certain elements of collusion with the cartels because there's money to be made if you get water and then you sell it over to these people or you sell property to them. I mean, there's mm -hmm. like this entire arc in, in your documentary, Cartelville, about the culpability of certain realtors in the area of trying to help cartels get property and buy homes at cash value. Exactly. So they're also changing the real estate market because since the cartels almost have this kind of unlimited money, they're actually able to pay whatever price, beat out any bidder. And you know, if you question the real estate agents, the first thing they say is, well, we're not allowed to discriminate against <laughs> these buyers. So that's where the residents get very the, angry. The people you talked to were terrified of saying the word Hispanic yeah, yeah, <laughs> or saying the word Mexican. They would just be like, people who don't belong here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They just, they just, they could not bring themselves to talk about it in any other term than vagary. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we're, it's, it's, there's so many kind of levels and aspects to the story, yeah. whether it's the water theft, human trafficking, um, the homicide rate, uh, but the real estate and the homes, I think it's just, it's been kind of fascinating to see, but they've been changing full on communities and they're pushing families out. So one, one way, you know, they're doing it through violence, water theft, intimidation. Uh, when we interview residents, there's officially no go zones out in the desert where they know not to go because these neighbors have, have been completely taken over by that cartel. I mean, no go zone, that sounds like we're in a third world country now over there. Right, yeah, I mean, you go out hiking and you don't know what kind of trouble you're going to run into out there. There's this guy that you talk to, and he's one of the only people in the dock whose face is not blurred out, named John, I think. Mm -hmm. And at this point, his property is well surrounded by cartel grows, and they want his land, mm -hmm. correct, right? They want him to sell, and he's not going to sell. These people are in mortal danger, and there is nobody rushing to protect them except you and a camera. 
Like, this is the only thing that I think has given this guy any sort of semblance of safety. Exactly. I think, in, you know, one thing that we weren't able to put in the documentary because it happened as literally when we were done filming is John actually gave us a call and uh, he, he suspects that the cartel did this, but they actually dumped a dead body less than 100 feet away from his house. Which he found very odd because when the cartels do kill people out there in the desert, find that odd as well. They, you know, they 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 bury the bodies where they cannot be found. So even yeah. even last year, LA Times reported uh, there was a 26 year old Guatemalan migrant that was trying to escape these illegal girls. He was shot and killed, and LA County Sheriff couldn't find his body for four months. So John said this is kind of a way for them to send a message to him because they dumped the body so close to his uh, property. But this is this is the kind of stories that kind of happen almost every day out there in the desert that we're trying to highlight and say, hey, these we have American citizens living in the middle of these cartel drug wars now. Um, this is happening in America in, in 2021. I mean, I, I, I still can't even believe it after even doing the, the documentary. I mean, it, it seems quite clear that this is almost solely the consequence of just the state's um, lack of enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. They're just choosing not to enforce laws. And in legalization, there are still things that need to be done. Like, mm -hmm. people can't be just stealing water. It's interesting that this is, there's actually such an, like, an incredible water situation here because usually it's the fact that the government is subsidizing water for the farms that honestly wouldn't be able to operate in such a market. But you, you have such a... Um, resistance to enforcing laws against any sort of marijuana activity that they're actually able to drill into these wells yeah. and steal. Let's, let's watch incredible. a clip here real it's, quick from, from one of the sheriffs because yeah. she's, she's talking here and let's uh, let's roll clip A uh, about the, the issue of, of sort of removing the felony charge for these things. So Prop 64 made, um, it decreased it which had, I think, um, a hopeful intent not to impact certain demographic groups that would utilize cannabis and have a negative impact on them. The war on drugs in California has been a war on poor people, a war on people of color, and it is time for change. However, decriminalizing it made it, took it from a felony to a misdemeanor. So it's only a $500 fine to grow illegally now. And when you look at all of our surrounding states that have cannabis recreationally available to them, it's still a felony to grow and to cultivate illegally. So that that is really what has created this problem. Their yield on some of the smaller grows is close to a million dollars. And when you think about the consequences for anyone, a misdemeanor consequence, so we're talking about uh, a citation, maybe a $500 fine at the end of the prosecution, but you have a chance to make a million dollars, the risk versus reward, is, reward isn't there like it was before when it was a felony risk reward. I mean, is this the libertarian dream in California? Because this, this looks awful. No, this is absolutely not the libertarian dream. And it can be conflated with the libertarian dream, but there, there are still laws that need to be followed. And the war on drugs, as Gavin Newsom said, is very real. Mm -hmm. But enforcing standards for production of products is not what has made the war on drugs so evil. It's been the prosecution of use of drugs, of possession of drugs, when people should have the autonomy to put in their body what they want. And the inability or just the lack of any sort of appetite to enforce laws is not consistent with any sort of libertarian vision of and I think legalization. That was probably the most, I would say, surprising kind of fact um, during our whole you know, investigating was just the the five hundred dollar misdemeanor. So you know, if Jacob and I had fifty thousand plants out there in the desert, and LA County Sheriff raided us, um, all we're gonna hit it, gonna hit, get hit with is a five hundred dollar misdemeanor. So mm -hmm. why would we not do this business? So that's why when I'm speaking to LA County sheriffs, 
Um, they tell me that when they raid these girls, they are looking for the human trafficking, they are looking for the water theft, and they're looking for any weapons like that to get attached a felony charge when they bring that case up. Because that's the only thing you. that will escalate the charges. Yes. Yeah, people imagine in this situation, people want to feel good about these policies and be like, we're helping marginalized people, yada, yada, yada. So they imagine that this is going to apply to some teenager who starts growing marijuana in his basement in Los Angeles with a couple white lights and doing it off the radar. $500 is going to hurt this person, but it's not going to ruin this person's life. Cartels have plenty of money. They're right. just going to pay the bill, and then they have upside of millions. Exactly. So that, that that's one thing is that when LA County Sheriff is really frustrated because our, our district attorney is George Cascone. He leans very on the uh, progressive side, to say the least. So he's actually not even prosecuting these crimes. So they're looking for the weapons. <clears throat> um, now, during our investigation, what we found very interesting is that when we spend um, some time with the, our next-door neighbors, which is San Bernardino County, they have a completely different approach with the district attorney named Jason Anderson. He's much more aggressive uh, when it comes to getting these charges. But in LA County, it seems like they're fighting a huge uphill battle. Right Congressman now. Garcia mentioned of, of um, Gascon, is that how you say mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Mentioned that this guy was working for the cartels. Is that political sort of hyperbole? Or do you actually take it that this person is not acting in good faith in their role as DA? Look, it's 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 a bit hard to say. I'm not going to say he's working for the for the cartels, but he Their hasn't interests. been prosecuting <laughs> crimes. I mean, even I mean, George Cascone just made news uh, this past week because he released uh, a murderer who's supposed to serve 50 years. He only served six. So that's the type of district attorney we have. Mm -hmm. And the big the big thing. And, and one thing that we kind of ran into is the misconception problem. And what I mean by this is, let's say we pull up, we pull a random California from the sidewalk and tell them, hey, did you know about these illegal groves operations? I mean, people literally just shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, so what? It's, it's just pot. Um, that's the thing is people don't understand. It's, it's because they just think weed, oh, it's just pot. It's not a big deal. They, they still don't know this huge criminal element tied to this uh, problem. Yeah, I've always long suspected. Um, I, I haven't done too much research onto specific examples, even though I want to. But I've always long suspected that the cartels actually lobby for drug enforcement because they really can't exist without the enforcement of drug laws. In California, we basically have a perfect storm of incredible regulations that legitimate companies have to follow. So maybe a $500 misdemeanor doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if a company keeps racking these types of charges over and over again, there's going to be major consequences versus what's the consequence for the cartel? It literally is only $500. The, the consequences are incredibly low. So you basically have, they're basically weaponizing the laws of the state against legitimate operators in order to infiltrate. And I I would not be surprised if they actually lobby for more restrictive gun laws. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I want laws. you to talk a little bit about some of the legal grows. So let's let's put up another clip. We got clip B here of, of Chris Mincel, one of the legal growers who's trying to compete in this impossible situation. I don't blame the cartels for doing what I'm They're making money. That's what they're designed to do. That is why there's an incentive to illegally grow. What moron would go through the process of actually being legally licensed and inspected and all that when you can't even deposit that money in a federal bank and the whole thing? That's why the cartels invented this game. I don't have a problem with people wanting to come here and make better money. What I do have a problem, and this is why I'm speaking up, is because our leadership from California to the Board of Supervisors of Los Angeles have failed us to create a good policy to allow legal cannabisation, cannabis use, recreational. 
even medical. They failed us. You find this guy or did he find you? <laughs> oh, we ended up finding him. So one thing is when we were interviewing the residents, people kept mentioning, hey, you got to interview this guy, Chris yeah. uh, Menso. He's a, he's a character, to say the least. <laughs> Obviously, he, um, you didn't see it in the clip. He's wearing this kind of Scottish uh, skirt. But... Um, what, and look, what, what Chris so call it a kilt? I say, yeah, you yeah. might be offended by that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, and Chris's point is is correct. He says, look, if we had a, a better legal way without the red tape, uh-huh. then the tax revenue we could actually see it back into our schools and into our community. So that's one aspect that he was very angry about is that the cities and these towns out there in the rural desert they're not even seeing any of that revenue. So, like I said, whether no matter what way you look at this. The state of California is losing in every single metric uh, when it comes to this issue, and it seems like it's only getting worse. Why, why do this then? Why lose in every way possible? Surely California, the state of California, knows that this is going on. It is hurting poor and, and marginalized people, people who are just trying to make any sort of living in their state, and they're not protecting Californians. What is the reason? That you know, we're we're still looking for that reason um, to this day. See, and one thing that I was actually shocked about is we just had a recall election in California not too long ago, and whether it was from Newsom or the Republican candidates, this issue they weren't even talking about it. They weren't talking about water theft. They weren't talking about illegal girls. And this is not just affecting Southern California. This is up <coughs> in Northern California as well. I just I just got done sp- speaking with some sources up in NorCal who tell me in Shasta County they have over seven thousand illegal girls, and that every single day that they're operating. 10 million water gallons are being stolen up in just just one county. county. Did did Larry Elder ever pick up the issue when he was running? Because this sort of feels to me like it could have and should have been the Glenn Youngkin, uh, Fairfax County School Board kind of situation. Mm -hmm. But for Elder, just be like, they've given away the Antelope Valley and and they're not even willing to defend it. We didn't hear it from Elder. We didn't hear it um, from any of the Republican candidates running, which I was shocked because this is probably the one issue where you could could get a Democratic voter in California to agree with you because, like I said, whether you're left or right, uh, if you're in California, you you know we all care about the water, especially that we're in a drought. If you live in Southern California, we're not even getting our water from yeah. from 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 our own state anymore. We're getting we're getting it from Colorado. So um, we were shocked that this this was just not on their radar. So we're hoping this this changes um, that issue moving forward and just educating Californians that hey, this is happening in your backyard now. Yeah, well, I have a hypothesis for why this is happening. I think it's because of the monopoly of the Democratic Party in California. And this is no suggestion that the Republican Party is better than the Democratic Party. It's just that no matter what the Democratic Party does, there are no consequences. They win. And we see many other indicators, such as education, outcomes, and whatnot. They tend to be the best in states that are purple, where if the Republicans don't uh, do well, Democrats come and take over. Florida has some of the best education outcomes in the country. And mm-hmm. it's definitely a purple state. It usually um, actually decides the election at the presidential le- uh, level. So yeah, um, if there's no incentive and no consequence for them doing a terrible job of enforcing laws, why would they ever change? Exactly. Then, you know, out there in the middle of the desert, there's no law enforcement. Um, and at the same time, they have all the water access. We have our California aqueduct that actually runs through the Anila Valley so that you could tap into that. Like I said, all the high, uh, fire hydrants that are available. So for them, it's like, well, why would we not do this if the worst thing that we're going to get hit is a $500 uh, misdemeanor? And L.A. County sheriffs, when I'm speaking to them, they got really hurt by the defund the police movement. A lot of yeah. that, that that funding cut, like their task force teams. So they're not able to even be out there every single day patrolling. Um, it was back in July when L.A. County Sheriff had their biggest bust when it came to these illegal girls. It was about $1.5 billion in product that they got. But the huge issue is that uh, that 10-day raid cost the department 
uh, $1 million. And it wasn't just LA County. It had to be Riverside. It had to be Ventura County. They had to call the DEA to get involved. Um, so this is, you know, where they're, like I said, no funding, no law enforcement, easy water access. Why would they not? Yeah, defund the police has to be central to the narrative of what's going on down there. Have they doubled down on this policy? And is there is there hard evidence that shows that when you do defund police departments and cut their budgets, that drug enforcement goes first? Yeah, I mean, well, well, I mean, you can already, like I said, just look at from the numbers of the um, of the marijuana um, operations that were out there. So, like I said, in LA County, they only had 150 of these in 2020. We're at over already over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, well, now when we're in San Bernardino County, it's the complete opposite because their board of supervisors is passing funding uh, for the sheriff. So over there, they actually have a unit called Operation Hammer Strike, where they kind of have these five teams that all they do is raid these illegal grows. You'll see it in our documentary. We go embedded with San Bernardino County when they do these these illegal raids and they were actually raiding uh, illegal girls connected to the Chinese mafia who actually smuggled Chinese nationals in and used them actually as their as their labor force so it's like I said it's really interesting just to see the two different aspects uh, when it comes to that also their board of supervisors they're every day they're working on passing legislation so one thing that they just passed which I think probably could, is going to create a little bit of a dent is if you're a homeowner or a property owner, you actively sell, and knowing that you sell your property to these illegal girls every day that that illegal girl is operating, you're going to get hit with a ten thousand dollar fine. So that's one way they see it: is hey, if we can't hurt them in this area, let's go for their pocketbooks. You know, ten dollar, ten dollar, thousand. How do you fines. prove that? How do you how do you prove knowing that that they knew they were selling to a to a drug that, that that's one thing the board of supervisors is going to have a little bit of, of difficulty. One thing that they kind of do this with is, is is code enforcement. So if they're out there and they see that you know they have more generate more generators that are out there. You know what? That bothers me, though. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, of all the solutions that they could pull, they pull one where they go after Californians again. Yeah. Like, we're we're going to make this about you, you people who are selling your homes and going after the people who are being victimized by this situation. I take issue with that as a solution. Um, you know, I think from my I think perspective, one angle that we could just hit it at is just the water theft. Increased penalties, attached felony charges to there. Um, this might seem like a hard line, but I'm at the point where maybe some type of legislation where even if we find out that you steal a, a, just even a gallon of water, you could get hit with some type of felony charge um, because without the water, the marijuana can't grow. I, I'm, this, is, this might get me kicked out of reason, but... I mean, this is, this is much more than a domestic issue. This is a foreign policy issue. And I really don't see why the military shouldn't be involved. Yep. Uh, yep. A lot of Americans feel that I way. Mean, no, it, Send it, in the troops. Yeah. It, I mean, at the federal level, oh, geez, I can't believe I'm going to yeah, say he's gonna, He's going to get kicked <laughs> off for reason. <laughs> at the federal level, marijuana is illegal, right? Right. Yes, sir. Well, we could have federal troops, <laughs> National Guard, enforce law. And all, I guess all it would take would be Gavin Newsom to invite them in. And then right? we quarter the troops in people's homes. Well, that's, uh, no. <laughs> Just I gotta, maybe I can keep my reason. Yeah, it's down. like, why, why why, not do that? I mean, again, yes. it's like serious seriousness about law. If you have law, you have to enforce they it. If you don't like the law, you need to They change. probably have like incredible weapons at their disposal because of the, the cartels, right? Like this is a situation where your local police department might not be able to deal with it. And it is an issue of national security to deal with it. It is. And then even if you're on, let's say you're on the left where, you know, the party of the black and brown people, well, this is affecting black and brown <clears> people because they're being used as, you know, these, these migrants are being, 
being exploited, then they're literally turned into basically slaves on American soil. We're, we're, we're also talking about children here and, and, and women. So it's not just men that are working these girls. They, they have children. San Bernardino County uh, sheriffs gave us uh, that video. So that's one thing that we're trying to highlight is the, is the labor trafficking. Even Axios put out a report in September saying that one out of three unaccompanied children that, that get released into the United States the government is losing track of. The situation got so bad that the Department of Justice is running an investigation on our own government to see if we are releasing these unaccompanied children to labor traffickers. That's what we're seeing in the California deserts. Another thing that might be contributing to this. So the lack of enforcement is huge. The, um, the, the massive amount of regulations that surround legal growers is obviously important. But what about gun laws within California? Are people even able to defend themselves in the state? So that's a huge issue too, is, is how strict the gun laws are and, and, and to get a CCW out there. So when I'm actually speaking to these desert uh, residents out there, they don't even care if California is going to let them have a, a firearm. Or they're, yeah. they're like, hey, at this point, we literally have to uh, defend ourselves. There'll be a, a part of a documentary where we meet these two residents where um, you know they're out there doing their hike and they get stopped by one of these cartel guys. And he literally pulls up a, um, on his phone a photo of a man that they shot and killed in the red truck yeah. and said, if you come back, this is going to happen to you. Um, so when we're out there, yeah, even when we're out there just driving around with the residents, they're always armed, whether it's registered or not. They, they at this point, have, have no choice because if they call law enforcement, uh, they get two answers. Either one, they're not going to come out there because they don't have the firepower, or two, we'll see you in an hour and a half. So it's that's the type of situation that these residents are in. And now you, you, you have folks who are just regular working class folks that put all their money into these homes for the first time, now literally living in a, in a war zone, but... Now they're you know they're they're leaving in, in mass dove. So the yeah. majority of the people that we interviewed in this dog um, have already put their home up for sale. You you have anarchy. You have the inability to legally defend yourself. You would think that California would at least like covet the water again, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's an environmental impact to if there is no water control in a state that already deals with right. shortages. It is just so clear, like you said, the one party mismanagement here. No competition. Democratic hegemony has just completely fallen apart. Are you going to be doing any more documentaries on, on stuff that's going on in California? Or are you just kind of following the border in general between your travels? So we're going to actually continue our, our investigation onto these illegal grows. We'll be headed um, to Shasta County and seeing how it's operating there with the 7,000. When I was speaking to law enforcement agents, they tell us that it's the Mexicans, Chinese, but also the Russians are involved up in that North California area. So we're hoping to continue our investigation. And just like I said, wake up Californians to see what's happening, that it's not just pot, it's not Cheech and Chong out there, guys. Uh, this is some serious stuff, and it's moving in pretty quickly. All right. I think that's going to do it for our episode today. Jorge Ventura, thank you so much for coming on the show and breaking it down. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you're safe, and I can't look, wait to see the next one. Hey, thank you, guys. That is it for this episode of Right Now. I'm Stephen Kent. I've been joined by Jacob Rich of Reason Foundation and, like I said, Jorge Ventura of The Daily Caller. Have a very Merry Christmas, all of this considered. And in the meantime, keep asking why, stay out of line, and be a bug in the system.